You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Todd Wicks. And I'm Benedict Jones. This is the WFHB Local News for Tuesday, November 16th, 2021. Later in the program, we have a few minutes with the mayor, a bi-weekly segment where WFHB News poses questions to Bloomington Mayor John Hamilton on community issues. More coming up in the bottom half of our program. Also coming up in the next half hour, United Way of Monroe County has secured over $5 million in funding for the 2021 Heading Home Project, a long-term guide to addressing homelessness and housing insecurity in the community. That's coming up in today's headlines. On November 11th, during the Monroe County Storm Water Management Board meeting, MS4 coordinator Kelsey Thetonia informed the board about a contract they have with the United States Geological Survey and explained to Monroe County's support of the project moving forward. So this all came about because previously Monroe County has funded, um, it was the installation and then operation and maintenance of the USGS stream gauge um, in Kurtz, Indiana. Um, it's on the south fork of Salt Creek. This stream gauge was put in as part of the Lake Monroe Watershed Management Planning effort, and um, they will be using the data in the Watershed Management Plan. Um, and they hope to use it um, in the future as they begin implementing the Watershed Management Plan to hopefully see measurable improvements in water quality due to the reduction of non-point source pollutants a lot of it is from agriculture, um, but other different um, practices that they can um, implement in the watershed. She said that Jackson County has gotten more involved and will take on the contract with USGS since the gauge is in their county. The Monroe County Water Fund is requesting that the board fund $3,500 in, in 2022 for Lake Monroe watershed monitoring efforts. Board of Directors Chair of the Lake Monroe Water Fund, Jane Martin, spoke to the board. We uh, at the Lake Monroe Water Fund are trying to build a coalition of the counties, particularly the upstream counties that have a big effect on our water quality. And so engaging um, Jackson County Soil and Water District is a, a big win for the coalition. Board member Lee Jones agreed that the collaboration with Jackson County was exciting. The board unanimously approved to help fund the replacement of the stream gauge. The next board meeting will be held on December 8th. Local government has pledged more than $5 million to combat homelessness in the community. During a press conference last week, local officials announced the Heading Home 2021 Funding Partnership United Way of Monroe County secured funding from the City of Bloomington, Monroe County, and the townships of Perry and Bloomington, according to Executive Director of United Way, Efrat Pfefferman. Housing insecurity takes many shapes. When we talk about it, we're talking about the family that could not afford, that could not find an affordable rental and stretch themselves by spending half of their monthly income on the rent, leaving little for life's other major expenses. 
We're talking about the person who encountered health challenges, which led to loss of work and loss of housing, leaving them to crash on a friend's couch without a space of their own. We're talking about a family sleeping in their car while they're on a list for affordable housing. And we're talking about the hundreds of individuals who stay in our communities, emergency shelters, and transitional housing and supportive housing, or huddled outdoors each day and night. Housing insecurity and homelessness were on the rise even before the pandemic, both nationally and locally. The pandemic has worsened the economic picture for far too many. And we're here today because our community has begun taking action on a collective level to change that trajectory. United Way of Monroe County, the Community Foundation of Monroe County, and the Housing Insecurity Working Group conducted a report titled Heading Home 2021, a regional plan for making homelessness rare, brief, and non-repeating. According to the report, over half of Monroe County residents are spending more than 30% of their income on rent. As a result, the lack of affordable housing leads to many individuals experiencing housing insecurity, one of the many contributing causes of homelessness. The 11-page report says it seeks long-term housing solutions to help individuals and families experiencing homelessness and housing insecurity in our community by embracing a housing-first approach. It outlines three main goals in addition to strategies and objectives to address them. These goals include making homelessness rare, brief, and non-repeating. CEO and President of the Community Foundation of Bloomington and Monroe County, Tina Peterson, elaborated on what those goals mean. Three goals, 11 strategies, and 38 objectives that are necessary to ensure that we advance housing security by preventing homelessness in the first place. That's the rare part. By ensuring that homeless, that if homelessness occurs, it has a short tenure. That's the brief part. And then if it does occur, it doesn't occur again. That's the non-repeating part. Overall, the 2021 Heading Home Plan addresses the many contributing factors to housing insecurity, including those that are financial or legal, those that are emotional, physical, and mental health related, as well as system level issues related to access to a variety of housing types needed to support the continuum of needs that define housing requirements. It also looks at process issues that can be improved upon to eliminate barriers to housing or to expedite access. Most importantly, the housing plan that we have constructed collectively is grounded in the concept of housing first, an approach to quickly and successfully connect families and individuals to permanent housing without preconditions and barriers. It's a significant advancement to previous approaches, not just here, but in many places that required individuals to demonstrate readiness for housing first. The city had committed $1.2 million to support the initiative as part of its Recover Forward initiative. Deputy Mayor Don Griffin said that the city of Bloomington will dedicate an additional $1.5 million for the project in 2022. Griffin touched on some of the immediate uses of these funds. Number one, hire a small team of professionals dedicated to executing the long-term regional strategies strategies in this heading home plan. Number two, build an active cross-sector coalition to develop out and coordinate strategies. Number three, develop a coordinated live data set for monitoring progress on homelessness and housing insecurity and a dashboard accessible to the public. Number four, 
partner with local agencies to expand the work of rapid rehousing beyond Monroe County, forging new relationships in our surrounding counties, and working with landlords and service providers throughout South Central Indiana to house people with the needed support. Also to provide incentive, incentives to house our most vulnerable through a risk mitigation fund. And last, number five, work with others to incentivize and encourage development of a range of housing options. Monroe County Commissioner Julie Thomas said the county designated $1.2 million in the here and now, plus an additional $1.2 million in endowment funding for long-term solutions to combat homelessness. To read the full report, visit WFHB.org following this broadcast. And now it's time for a few minutes with the mayor, a bi-weekly segment where WFHB Assistant News Director Noelle Herhusky Schneider poses questions to Bloomington Mayor John Hamilton on community issues. In today's segment, Herhusky Schneider discusses a new domestic sibling-city relationship the city of Bloomington will undertake with Palo Alto, California. Yay, Palo Alto! We turn to Herhusky Schneider for more. Welcome back to Minutes with the Mayor, where we ask your questions and questions we have about what's going on around town. So I'm really interested in Palo Alto and Bloomington sister city relationship. Well, thanks for asking about that. This is a, um, it's a new program and the first two United States sibling cities, we call them in the 21st century now, uh, are Palo Alto and Bloomington. And we're very excited to be paired with the home of Silicon Valley and the part of the big San Francisco metropolitan area. And the idea behind it is is not that different from kind of the traditional international sister cities where you're, you're in, encouraging and welcoming getting to know each other better and bridging any divides there are and trying to build bridges uh, among culture uh, resources and educational and just experience and trying to understand each other better. And I think that the idea for this Sibling City USA, which, which a woman named Vicki Venker had launched, is to really try to knit our country back together a little bit. We, many of us have experienced some divisions and some stereotyping that can get pretty severe and, and even misinformation and and miscommunication and misperceptions and this idea of taking maybe a Midwest city and a coastal city, for example, and saying, you may have misperceptions about each other. Yes, there are differences, of course, but there are also similarities and you each can be a stronger place if you learn more and connect better with a place that is quite different from you. And we don't know exactly where this will lead. Um, I've gotten to know the mayor of Palo Alto, and we've had some different people involved locally at each place to think about this. And we're, we're very excited. Uh, just this week, Palo Alto City Council passed the uh, resolution to 
enter into this, and we expect shortly Bloomington will do the same. And we don't know. It, it could be um, high school exchanges between students in, in the two cities, uh, learning just what is it to be in a Midwest city or what's it like living in the home of Silicon Valley in this giant metropolitan area. And Or it could be, um, I don't know, cultural. It could be like a drama production that's shared between the two or who knows what can be happening online. It could be commerce. It could be a tech industry. It could be a local tech company in Bloomington that connects with a tech company in Palo Alto. Um, this will be led by the community and members of the community. If anybody wants to get involved, by the way, they can reach out through my office. There's a local coordinator who can help you get involved. Um, and we, we just think we're the country is too divided. Uh, it's too important for us to really remember we're all Americans and we all have a lot in common and want the future to be better for all of us. And that's, that's what it's trying to help make happen in a little bit, step at a time. You said, yeah, help us bridge our differences. What do you expect? Well, I, I just say we don't know exactly what will happen with this. So some, some examples may be um, we actually have people locally. These are very practical. We have people locally looking at uh, do we want to regulate um, gas leaf blowers? They're, they're very high polluting. They can be very noisy and disturbing. Well, Palo Alto's actually have a very strong regulation on that already. Uh, maybe we can learn from that. Um, maybe we have a noise ordinance that they're interested in. Maybe the relationship between Indiana University and the city of Bloomington and how we interact can be helpful to Stanford and Palo Alto or vice versa. Maybe how a business in Bloomington relates to Indiana University faculty can be affected by or change or learn from how a business in Palo Alto relates to Stanford University, but also just more fun stuff. I mean, we could have exchanges of museum uh, displays and, and uh, shows that could go from one place to the other. We could have performances. We could have, uh, as I'm mean, like high school students could spend a week in each in, in a different city and go to class and kind of just see what it's like. And I, you know, I just tend to think the more we know about each other and, and of each other, that's a good thing. And, and we'll see what happens. We kind of have a, a target of let's do a year of these kinds of exchanges and programs and then come back together and, and see how it's gone and what we like. And we hope there'll be other pairs of cities that will develop too uh, across the United States. Yeah, I thought that that was probably one of the most like interesting things to me with the Stanford, Palo Alto, IU, Bloomington relationship. I think it will be, you know, there's that's a big common factor is that we are relatively similar size, small cities with very large tier one, you know, international universities uh, right next to us. And that kind of relationship's important. But, but of course, it is different. We're, we're kind of in a rural environment overall, a setting where we have a lot of, um, not a lot of population density around us. On the other hand, they're in the middle of one of the large mega cities of the world, one of the most dynamic places. Of course, their state of California is quite different from the state of Indiana. So how does that affect us and what can we learn from each other about that? I think will be will be really interesting. And they, The city council of Palo Alto treated me very well when I spoke to them earlier this week. They were very friendly and we, we hope to do the same to the mayor of Palo Alto when, we, when he speaks to our city council. Do you have any concerns about Bloomington maybe growing in a direction that it's not naturally leaning? If like you know, my family used to live there and now like they could never afford to move back. And mm. uh, I think Bloomington as this very like arts and humanities 
centered oasis and I, you know i know that we are trying to establish that tech center but you know that also sometimes just my this is completely biased well i don't think anyone should think or would would um say that the purpose of this is for one city to become more like the other in in some way or that one city has it figured out and the other doesn't or or that one's got it the model right and the other doesn't i i think it's more about look cities are always evolving we're always changing you know bloomington used to be the furniture capital of the world uh, we 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 innovated and developed veneer furniture here back in the 18th 19th century and of course we we made color televisions the first one in the country um we we don't do either of those things anymore really so we're always changing and i think as you change it's helpful to be as aware as you can be of what's going on in the world around you and to look at different people and different models and but we're you know this is all about finding the Bloomington way, what what we want to be. Um, it's just being really well connected as we review and think about and move toward the future that will be different from what it is today. We just don't know quite how. How is Sibling City different than how we would interact with our neighbors, our our actual border buddies here in like, <laughs> Indiana? Well, that's a great point. I mean, I I meet often with mayors from other places, um, you know, whether it's Columbus or Indianapolis, Evansville, Bedford, uh, different places. And, and that's really important. And we share a lot of concerns and, and goals. And that's all good. And this is this is a both and, I suppose. It's really about um, a, a different kind of relationship where we're with a much more distant partner, if you will, sibling. And uh, the goal is to simply learn more and uh, grow and experience um, new things. I mean, look, as a university city, we are full of people from all around the world who are learning and growing and changing. And as a city, we want to be a learning city. Uh, we're going to change. And it's, the, the question is, how do we want to change? And I think the more we, we know about options and the more we know about history and current different modes of, of how cities operate, the better. Uh, it helps us chart our path uh, with with wide eyes uh, rather than kind of uh, unaware of some of the possibilities. Um, are there any other things that maybe are on the ent- environmental aspects that we might be influenced by them? I know that the city of Palo Alto, um, like us, uh, the city of Palo Alto is very concentrated on climate change and sustainability. Uh, all, all cities, uh, but but you know California and their their issues with water and with fire and with uh, uh, the housing prices, sustainability. They they may be facing uh, some issues farther down the road than we are. You, you know, we talked briefly about housing prices. I mean, it's just so expensive in Palo Alto that maybe they can teach us some lessons about how not to get there. Uh, we, we're a very expensive market in Indiana. Are there some things we could learn from what's happened in Palo Alto to try to do a better job of navigating the next 10, 20, 30 years? Um, sustainability and climate change, you know, it is thinking about how do we help people move around the city better with less carbon impact? What are some of the infrastructure investments that have worked or some ideas? 
how do you um, uh, how do your how do your buildings operate? Now we're in different climates and different itch- issues like that. But look, I think there's a lot to learn from each other that way. They they may want to look at us and look at agriculture, and you know we have a different kind of uh, agriculture area around us, but. Maybe they can look at some ways to help create a stronger local food system. Who knows? Like our farmer's market and the SNAP program? Sure. And even programs that help help local farmers become a viable business. You know, now they're obviously a different climate and they don't have, we have a lot of open space within 50 miles of us. I'm not sure they have a lot of arable land within 50 miles of them um, uh, that's not being used already by big farms, but who knows? There's, there's a lot to learn uh, about that. Maybe, maybe we each can look at what scooters have done in our communities, <laughs> and maybe have either of us figured out what we think is the best way to manage that, or the or the next uh, new mobility device that's going to show up. What do you think Bloomington offers in this relationship? Well, I think we each offer the other community a new experience. Um, uh, I know, for example, one of the Vicky Venker who's helped found this. Um, we'll talk about. Um, uh, uh, one of her kids who spent a year in high school, who had grown up in Palo Alto, and then spent a year in high school in Indiana, and found it in Bloomington, and found it a, a very rich and um, engaging and, and and deeply learning experience, just to be in a different culture, uh, even inside in the, in the United States. So I think um, Bloomington's an older city. We have a different background. Uh, we have a different mix of people. Different. Cultures and just like you can learn from an international city, I do think there's a lot to learn from each other in a domestic city where we have these kind of similarities yet also significant differences. In the press release from your office, I read there will be a ribbon cutting for the Seven Line Bike Trail tomorrow. What exactly is the Seven Line and how is it going to benefit Bloomington? The Seven Line is a new east west dedicated bicycle lane and accompanying pedestrian infrastructure that's going to try to help. Uh, really create an east-west corridor in the city that's very comfortable and easy to use for bicyclists, kind of like the B-Line does north-south. And it was part of the Bicentennial Projects, a gift uh, to our future uh, at our 200th anniversary in in 2018. Uh, It's about a three-quarter mile long east-west corridor that runs from the B-Line onto the IU campus at Woodlawn. We hope to extend it through time all the way out actually to the bypass and then beyond to the far east side of town, uh, but it's really to create a, a very comfortable and usable bicycle slash pedestrian link. Um, it also is good for buses. It's going to help the bus traffic going east-west, but I hope people might come out 1130 on Wednesday. We're going to have a ribbon cutting and a and a ride along the B, the B line, uh, sorry, the 7 line, which is on 7th Street and runs east and west um, from the B line all the way on to IU campus. Have you yourself tried out any of these new bike paths? I have been on the, on the 7 line, and I love it. I think people will enjoy it. Of course, I've been on the B line a bunch of times. If you have any questions, send us an email at wfhb.org or give us a call. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening.
We know that following the local news cycle can be difficult, so to make it easier on you, we provide a rundown of yesterday's news. At the Monroe County Council meeting on November 9th, Community Resilience Coordinator for the Environmental Resilience Institute, Cody Smith, presented next steps for the Hoosier Readiness Assessment. We have provided Monroe County with a next steps report. What that is, is it's looking at the next steps for climate resilience in Monroe County. While you are excelling at emergency management and other areas, as you look to achieve greater climate resilience in the county, uh, it's important to review lower scoring areas from the readiness assessment so that we can look at what those actions are. And for the sake of this presentation, I've mimicked the report as closely as possible, which follows these four categories that are listed here. Social and financial burden, preparing for extreme heat, preparing for extreme precipitation and river flooding, and then a general category that is other actions to consider. It's important to note that all of these investments that you're going to make, according to the Building Trades Council, uh, they say that a dollar invested in hazard mitigation yields $6 in benefits over time. Smith said that Monroe County should invest in ways to ensure individuals who are marginalized in the community are prioritized with climate change preparation, since they are more vulnerable to the hardest hit by the impact of climate change. He explained that due to climate change, Monroe County is experiencing more rainfall and severe storms and should be aware that surface and river flooding will be a large concern for the county in the near future. In this developed area of Ellettsville, uh, you can see that the uh, it's very much in the floodplain. And so what we want to make sure that what we're doing, and I'm not trying to call Ellettsville out at all, I'm just trying to make sure that we have an example uh, of what we can do as a local government in building a more resilient future for our community. We can identify those house, the houses and businesses who are most susceptible. That's what this map is aimed at doing. And make sure that we develop and adopt policies and procedures for not only post-flood repairs, but also mitigation and make sure that we have the resources in place and the plans in place to respond when these disasters happen. And we know that precipitation is falling more so in the winter and spring months here in Indiana and will continue to do so. And as we saw earlier, it's already increased by 8.1 inches of precipitation uh, historically. So this is something that I think is a really actionable and important item for Monroe County to consider as well. Smith gave actionable recommendations from the ERI they believe are within the reach of the local government and would increase Monroe County's resilience to climate change. Suggestions include passing a tree canopy ordinance, promoting energy efficiency and waste heat reduction, educating residents of impacts on poor air quality, and creating a warning system to alert residents when air pollution is poor and promoting local food purchasing. Councilmember Trent Deckard thanked Smith for the presentation and said he has been noticing the flooding concerns himself. Particularly around the flooding um, numbers that you were providing, I have anecdotally felt that and heard that from a lot of constituents and just business leaders and community members across the board um, acutely over the last particularly 10, 14 years or so. Councilmember Peter Iverson also commented that while the U.S. is working on a national level to mitigate the effects of climate change, Monroe County is working on a local level to address concerns closer to home. 
as we're awaiting the final uh, results of COP26 later this week, um, Cody's absolutely right that Monroe County and the Environmental Resilience Institute will continue to try and work together to uh, solve uh, uh, a lot of these issues around climate crisis and to be more resilient as a community. So keep watching Monroe County. There's good things coming. Council Member Cheryl Munson asked about whether or not the city of Bloomington and the town of Ellettsville have taken the Hoosier Readiness Index assessment. Smith said Bloomington has taken the assessment and heard a similar presentation. However, Ellettsville has not done so yet. Smith said the Environmental Resilience Institute is still more than happy to work with their community. The next county council meeting will be held on December 14th. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Noel Herhusky Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Noel Herhusky Schneider. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Benedict Jones. And I'm Todd Wicks. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at wfhb.org. You can be a part of our award-winning news team. For more information about joining our volunteer team of citizen journalists, email news at wfhb.org. And now, stay tuned for Planetary Radio, a program that explores the solar system and beyond, coming up next on WFHB.